Thank you for tuning in to Cop with Comic. I'm Brian Cop, and we're here with Comic Barry Doherty. Barry Doherty, how the hell are you? I am well, thank you, sir. Oh, good. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I mean, you've just been a fucking saint as you're sitting here during my Skype issues. All of a sudden, my mic just broke on one, and so I had to open up a whole second computer, and now it finally works. So through all this cursing, Barry Doherty, Barry Doherty has been a perfect professional. My ears have been burning with the words you were using. <laughs> Dude, it was pretty uh, explicit, so hopefully I can kind of keep the cur- curse words away. But Barry, Do- Barry Doherty, of course, is the famous dude, and you can find him um, on Twitter. He's Barry Laughs, L-A-F-F-S. On Instagram, he's Barry M. Doherty. This is all from recollection because he's such a badass and I don't have my computer working. And then his website is BMD Communications, and you can see... Like on this guy's Instagram, he's got him and Jerry Stiller. On him and on his website, he's got him and Samuel. Ja- he's got Samuel Jackson and Katie Couric, and I might have even spied Uma Thurman right there. But then, um, if you look at his Twitter, he's written all these books, all of them by you know Friars Club and Stand Up Roast and things like that. He was a head writer at the Friars Club uh, Roasts, I think, and he'll correct me on that. But several books, each of which, just written by uh, the the forward has been written written by an, just a luminary like maybe. If my recollection serves me, Richard Pryor, Richard Lewis, Drew Carey. Yep. And I think I'm missing another huge one. I, I know Gilbert Gottfried also did a testimonial on your website. What the fuck, dude? Why are you so fucking famous? And thank you for gracing us with your presence. You're very welcome. I'm having the best time ever so far. <laughs> This has been a great interview. You're doing great, Brian. I like how you're yeah. I like how you started. Let's keep it up. I'm writing. And so, yeah, so I, I guess, you know, when, when I get somebody like this on the phone, I want to, I'm just going to pick your brain. It's so great that you came on because there's a lot of stand-ups on here. There's a lot of writers on here. And, uh, you know, the pandemic has hit, so people have to kind of adjust on the fly. Some people are hitting, you know, Zoom mics and um, park mics and, and rooftop shows and things like that. Some people can't get the rooftop shows or the big Bel Air diner show, which is the big time show. Um and so some of these people might think, hey, man, let me go a different route. Let me let me go the writing route. Let me write a book like Barry, Barry Doherty. Let me, um, you know, write for others. Maybe I can get a writing gig. How the fuck does one go about doing that? Like, how did you get it? Is it just because you were hilarious? Yes. That's the bottom line. <laughs> End of discussion. Because I <laughs> The shortest uh, episode ever, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I'm, I, I've been a writer uh, throughout. I've had a wacky career. I was a news reporter for, you know, Cablevision uh, on Long Island for a while. And uh, I, I went through all of these weird, I worked at the, well, now it's the Paley Center for uh, Media. Um, but all, throughout it all, I've always been writing. I would have, you know, pieces in the Times would show up or local newspapers. But it's when I got to the Friars Club that things took off for me in terms of writing humor um I, I i was around all of these guys and back then it was i've been i was there for a while so it was uh, people that you don't remember like alan king who wrote the forward to one of the books um but it was being able uh, to just listen to them and hear their rhythm and get their voice and then i could put things on paper myself um in terms of a few things writing my own experiences 
because I write essays uh, about um, kind of my life, things that go on in it. And the greatest opportunity was to be able to write for these roasts because the friars at the time were the only ones actually doing it until we went on Comedy Central. And then it took off all, like wildfire all over the place. Everybody's doing it. Right. So uh, the opportunity to write for these guys and, and hear what they want to talk about and just make it funny, it, it was a great opportunity. And then it turned into books. Um, one of my the, the, my favorite books is, is called How to Do It Standing Up. And it's how to be a stand-up comic, lest you think otherwise. And... <laughs> It's interviewing all different kind of comedians, all cross generations and, uh, you know, how they got started, their first time, their worst time. Um, so that's the one that Richard Pryor wrote the forward for. And it, it was just a great opportunity to just talk to these guys, hear their stories. And, um, you know, it's 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 been a really great journey here. And it sounds, I mean, it sounds like you kind of learned a little bit about, you know, timing and spacing and cadence and things like that from... I don't know, listening to them do it, but how'd you get that gig in the first place then? Like, you know, how, was it just kind of such a smaller organization that they're like, I know Barry, he's funny, and then you got the gig and you kind of grew on the job? I wish that was it. I was <laughs> <laughs> Barry's a funny guy. Let's get him to write for the Luminaries, right? I, I have to, you know, I keep trying to make up different stories that would be really fascinating. Um, but, you know, I, I was working at the at the Paley Center. I keep calling it that, even though when I was there, it was the Museum of TV and Radio. Mm -hmm. um, and I was just dealing with the, kind of dealing with the public, but that public, sometimes it would be like Tom Hanks came in one day. Um, he wanted to, uh, to watch some Bosom Buddies. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, and, and we were, we were uh, crowded. So there was a, a wait. And I, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, I'm about to Tom, tell Tom Hanks, you have to come back at three hours and we'll put you on the list. And yes. then I realized, no, I can't do that. So I said, oh, well, you know, we're booked up. But because you're, and his eyes widened as if, you know, don't you dare say my name. <laughs> so I, I, I turned it into a, because of who you are. Uh, I I was able to get him in. So in, in dealing with even those people, um, it was exciting. And again, I wish that had something to do with like Tom Hanks got me into the Friars, but no, um, they ended up doing away with my position there. And I happened to know somebody who worked there and they said, why don't you come on over? So I did. And I started uh, writing their magazine. They had a magazine that they had put out for years and the guy that did it, he he died which is very sad, but I got the gig. Uh, and Bar Barry, Barry killed him, of course. <laughs> I felt sad for a moment. <laughs> so, it, and that opened up a lot. I was able to just write whatever I wanted, whether it was interviews with people like Rob Reiner and Jerry Stiller, or then my experiences. You know, I, the first book I wrote for them was the Friars Club Book of Roasts, which is the history of their roast, how it began. And it's a filthy book because it's transcriptions of all these roasts and, and what they said at them. So I went out to L.A. and I interviewed all these people. So I ended up being I was able to write an article about that experience in itself. So a lot a lot came out of, of all of that. It was just great. So it's just like because you were doing the magazine and because you did the book of their historical roast, people found out this Barry guy is funny enough to be, become the head writer at some point. 
Yes, why don't we we'll leave it at that? But <laughs> <laughs> but there are yeah, many well, many many steps along the journey, I suppose. <laughs> well, ultimately, I ended up becoming sort of their their writer for many things, different correspondence, even and whatnot uh, communications. Right. But um, being able to be the head writer of some of those roasts was was pretty cool, and it was also working with it, it once. Once we had the material, and I'll admit it's you know it's not like a one man show there. I, I you know I had put out the word for other writers to come help me, but um, it was also kind of work with these people. You mentioned Uma Thurman. Um, She's she, an actress, but that doesn't mean she's a a comedian who can get up and roast. Right. So once you give them material and that they look at and think. Well, I don't, I'm not doing this. So you have to <laughs> convince them. I had a whole bit about her having a foot fetish. Uh, or, or, well, actually, it was Quentin Tarantino. It was his roast. Him having a foot fetish. <laughs> and uh, she was just like, no, that that, that is not going to happen. Well, she ended up taking it to the nth degree. Uh, she During the show, she, picked, she took off her shoes, her Louboutins, and she poured <sighs> champagne in them and then... He, she handed him a shoe and the two of them toasted. Oh, that's magical. So did you write that or did she riff I a little did. bit on that? Well, I, I I wrote it. And then, as I said, she was appalled about it. Oh, you mean the shoe part? The I'll, shoe part. No, she, she took that ball and ran with it. Wow. Because um, they're I, like, whatever gets laughs. That, you know, they understand now that the currency here is laughs. And so even if a foot fetish is what gets laughs, that's where Uma's going to go. Exactly. Wow. Uh, I mean, that, that's, all, that's what it's all about. Um, and so... If they can do a roast like that, then that means they got it. You know, here's someone who was very shy about doing it. And she she even canceled appointments with me to to meet. But when she finally the, the spotlight went on and this happens with all of them, uh, it, it takes a whole different turn. And it's they're they're great. I mean, they're hilarious. That's great. They're natural performers. And if they're going for laughs, they're going to listen to Barry, Barry laughs. Um, and I guess I guess my question is, you know, in. You know, it sounds like you, you know, you know, the, the, you know, since roasts weren't huge, this might have not, you know, you didn't anticipate that this would grow to be so huge where you're, you know, roasting Quentin Tarantino and, and riffing through the mouth of Uma Thurman. And so I guess my question is for some people who are trying to make hay out of a pandemic, like, what's the best way to start in your opinion? Do you think that, you know, are you just going to pitch you know, your writing packet to SNL every year, or do you think you should start something? Because currently I think I'm, you know, I've had a couple hundred guests so far and I think I'm starting to, I'll be starting a daily monologue where I'll be soliciting monologue jokes from all the guests I've had. And then, you know, I'll make it clear that, you know, the jokes are theirs, of course, but it'll be kind of a way to amplify their voice. So in that regard, I'll be starting my own thing of like a, a daily monologue. You know, other people have a crew of people where they do kind of a web series and they're, you know, some geniuses who've been on this fucking podcast are just getting together and I just see their product. Uh, it's outstanding. If it gains traction, it'll be huge. And so do you think that you should start your own thing or try to... Um, I don't get a credit at a bigger place and just kind of work your way through institutions. What do you think is the way to do it during, you know, now that there's a pandemic and there's less kind of comedy opportunities available? Well, the pandemic has changed everything, um, whether it's even for comedians themselves. I mean, everything's been shut down for any venue, whether it's a writer writing for somebody who performs and that person can't perform anymore. But <laughs> it has it has morphed into something 
incredible. Social media obviously having a lot to do with it. I mean, you take a look at, um, oh, I don't know, look at Sarah Cooper. Uh, you yeah. know, where where was she? And I'm I'm not that's I'm not you know negating her talent and and her hard work prior to this. But let's face it, if it weren't for the pandemic, if it weren't for her trying to come up with new and inventive ways to get her comedy out there and what she did with uh, you know doing the the trump briefings it was brilliant uh, yeah. and and just by tweeting it and putting it on instagram it, it got her on jimmy kimmel um so I, I think that's a huge important way to go turn to uh social media Tweet out funny lines. You know, I'm, I'm reading Twitter all the time. There's some very funny people out there. They're oh, not yeah. even in the business, but they're just so funny. I look at this person. I don't know what they do for a living. You know, maybe they sell <laughs> shoes. And there's nothing wrong with selling shoes, by the way. But <laughs> I think, why isn't this person, you know, out there writing writing for Jimmy Kimmel or, or uh, Tonight Show or whatever? So I, I think um, for someone who's interested right now in trying to you know start something up do that get your get your own work out there you can be a, a very funny writer it doesn't mean you have to be a performer um you know alan's Y. bell who wrote for saturday night live and he's written movies and books and whatnot um he's got a movie coming out i think with billy crystal he he started out he auditioned to be a comedian. I mean, he was doing funny things or saying his, his funny words, but he wasn't good at it. <laughs> and I mean, <laughs> he'll admit it, but yet you have someone like, you know, a Lauren Michaels, who's like, you know, you're, you're terrible standup, but you're really funny. So uh, that's, that's helps too. I mean, either recognize your limitations on where you want to be. You don't have to be the writer and the performer. Um, and how, and how, how can you tell the difference? You know, like, you know, how can you say, I'm not good at stand up if you're not even getting the opportunity to kind of perform at a, at a higher level? At what point do you say, I mean, do you just kind of like do everything and see what hits? I mean, if you love it and you want a career in comedy, you're just going to what, tweet all day, write all night and perform all weekend. Well, that's, there's something to that. I, I mean, I think you can figure out pretty quickly and it's not really your call. It's the audiences <laughs> that you, you're not a good comedian, yeah. uh, you know, you only need to get up in an open mic night a few times and uh, and people pretty much shut you down. So that's when you can you can think, OK, well, maybe that's not for me. But a lot of those guys, too, if they do that, you have the other comedians on the bill who might think, wow, you've got some really funny stuff. Let me yeah. let me take a crack at it. And, you know, with your material and, and see how that flies. And then to notice that it can actually get some laughs because let's face it, it's all about the delivery. So, you know, you can have a h hilarious line and just somebody not good at it just messes it up. So, um, right. But, and so, but, I mean, but, but, but like, you know, at what point did you realize, you know, like, you know, I'm a genius at writing <laughs> in general and I'm a genius at writing for others, but I've also seen, you know, your picture that we're using right now is you, you at the Grizzly Paris, you, you, you've done standup. And so, you know, do you use standup as kind of a way to test certain things that you're thinking about writing down? Uh, no, I'm, my standup is actually more in terms of, uh, it's, it's, uh, 
displaying my essays. I write humor essays. I'm very, um, and, and I, I perform them. I have a, even a, a show, My Life in Five Essays by Barry Doherty. Yeah. So knowing that my essays and my writing is very funny, I, and I do have a funny delivery, <clears throat> I will admit. <laughs> um, so that's, in, in terms of my performance, that's where that comes from. Um, but for me to get up and tell jokes, it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I, to be honest, I've never actually tried it, except when I was in high school. Uh, there was the, the, the junior variety show. And I actually was pretty funny at that. But <laughs> for the most part, I, I, and I enjoy performing, don't get me wrong, but, you know, either the essays or, uh, you know, it, back in the day I attempted to try some acting. Um, and that, again, you, you realize pretty quickly when casting agents don't ever call you back. So... <laughs> Uh, but I, I I get more from the the writing aspect. I just um, I mean, if I can make myself laugh, and I'll admit, I'm a tough audience, and comedians are tough audiences. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the the problem with that is when they get to a comedy show, um, the comedians will stand in the back while each one of them are up performing. And if it's a lighthouse and you don't have the normal laughs coming from an audience, you're not necessarily going to get it from the comedians because they stand in the back and all they do is sort of nod and say, oh, yeah, that was a good one. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I love the nodding, com right. nodding comedian. It's like your nodding yeah. does not make, make any noise, you motherfucker. <laughs> But also, it's like, but also they might be on their phones. And so it's like, you know, how do you even figure out if something is worth it? You got to go to open mics that are a little bit more intensive. But um, I guess my final question kind of arises from the fact that you do do the one man show with your five essays or whatever. Like, I think there was a Judy Collins book at some point where she said that stories aren't funny or something like that. Like she discouraged, you know, the, the telling of stories. But recently there's been people like Birbiglia and Mulaney who have shown that stories can be so fucking funny. And that's probably the only thing I would want to tell on stage so you know the judy collins wisdom gave me a little bit of hesitation so what's your take on that it sounds like i mean essays are not necessarily stories but you know how are stories different from essays and can stories be funny especially yeah. and, and can you throw judy collins out of the bus uh, yes I, I will she's dead wrong <laughs> is she also dead can't sing a note no uh, no no wait judy, I don't know. Is that judy collins is the humor writer i think i'm talking about uh, oh oh okay um, yeah, not, no, well, she's alive then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to kill anybody off here. Um, well, I, the, actually, storytelling is, is taking off again, or if it ever was, I don't know. I mean, in terms of monologues and comedians who used to tell these long and involved stories, and then that sort of went by the wayside. But the storytelling is back. Um, and, and people are getting up and they are telling stories because people want to hear it. Audiences are funny and people are very fickle and we get we get very bored. So comedy has always evolved in different ways. You know, you had the old time comic who with the cigar and, you know, hey, hey, and, you know, take my wife, please, uh, you know, just yeah. tell a joke get the punchline and whatever. And then it morphed into sort of the uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, let me just talk about life. So people in the audience say, oh, my God, that's so you, you know, right. when they start relating it to themselves. Um, so it keeps moving. And I think the new thing now is, yeah, engage me. You know, now people, more and more people go to, say, Broadway shows. They look at plays. They get the story angle. They read their Kindles, whatever. Right. So 
now they're saying that, all right, I, I, I'm going to give you the time, engage me, tell me stories. I don't need to be laughing every two seconds, but I need to laugh maybe every two minutes. I don't know. Now people want to, um, they want to believe that the standup is telling something that's from their own life. Like back in the day, it was a little bit, you know, incredible misdirection where I'm like, I don't believe that it, you know, and it doesn't fit with your other jokes, Nikki Glazer. Like, why are you telling me you just fucked a homeless guy? Because, you know, five seconds ago you were in a serious relationship. Like, so sometimes I don't get that. But when she gets personal about, you know, what she, you know, she was growing up and she went through puberty and she learned that certain things she would have to do in the context of relationship, you know, romantic relationships, she was horrified. And so like that stuff, like I believe it. And so Melania and Berbiglia can kind of do that. So you're saying that now, you know, audiences are maybe getting a little bit hip to the whole stand up punch zinger game. And they want to be, they want to see who you are through your I don't know, jokes and even stories. Right. I think, you know, audiences are pliable enough to kind of run with whatever you throw at them as long as it's good, you know, as long yeah. as they, they're entertained and it's funny and, and, that, and you have a, a delivery about you. If you just stand up there, you know, we can't all be Stephen Wright. So, yeah, right. you know, you've you got to have some cadence there and just make it fun. And, and the person making it fun, of course, is Barry Laughs, a.k.a. Barry Doherty, and he is Barry Laughs on Twitter, and he's also Barry M. Doherty on Instagram, and his website, you could either do BarryDoherty.com, which will then direct you to BMD Communications, and you can see his testimonials by Gilbert Gottfried and Richard Lewis and see his pictures with such famous people as he's explaining things to people like Liza Minnelli. It's fucking classic. <laughs> But Barry Doherty, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, thanks for having me. This was fun.